everyone. You're listening to Chronically Chilled on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Aki Ngo and I'm coming to you today from the land of the Bunurong and Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations in Nam, also known as Melbourne. I'm here today with my co-host Bridget MacArthur and our special guest Graham Inns AM. Graham is a lawyer, author and company director. He's about autobiography Finding a Way achieved popular acclaim in 2016. He's been a human rights practitioner for more than 30 years and is a conference presenter and facilitator. Graham was Australia's Disability Discrimination Commissioner for nine years. During that time, he also served as Australia's Human Rights Commissioner for three and a half years and as the Race Discrimination Commissioner for two years. In his years of service, he has been responsible for issues relating to disability, race, and human rights. Graham was awarded a member of Order of Australia, also known as AM, for his work of the development of the Disability Discrimination Act, was a finalist for Australian of the Year, and on an international stage, he was a member of the Australian delegation that participated in negotiating the UN Convention of Rights for People with Disabilities. On today's show, we'll be talking and discussing the challenges and experiences faced by Australians and people all around the world with disabilities while traveling, particularly airline travel. So welcome Graham to our show. Thanks very much. It's uh, really good to to be chronically chilled. (laughs) Great to have you on board um, and to share your experiences about the ongoing and continued challenges that people with disability face while traveling. Would you like to share some of your experiences and the experience of members of the community that you know about? Well, Aki, how long have we got? Um, <laughs> I, uh, I um, sadly travel for people with disabilities um, is uh, a challenging experience traveling on airlines. Um, and, and there's a reason for that. And it is that most other transport providers, whilst they're not perfect, have recognised that the best way to facilitate um, travel for people with disabilities is to include us in the existing system. So, you know, um, tramps, tram stops have ramps. Um, not all of them, I know, but, you know, they're moving towards it. Um, the train system is getting more and more accessible. Um, buses are more and more accessible. Again, not perfect, but there's real progress and there has been over the last 20 years from where it used to be. The airlines and airports made a decision to basically set up a separate system for us uh, and to to send us in a a pathway which is different to everyone else. And we all know that when you create a different separate system, um, a segregated parallel system, Mm -hmm. that that system will never be as well serviced and as well facilitated as the general system. And that's what's happening at airlines and airports. So I know you had a uh, terrible experience at Adelaide Airport a few weeks ago um, mm-hmm. where you were tipped out of a, a wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and I also, coincidentally, uh, I think the same day or the day before, had a terrible experience at um, the security, going through the security process at Adelaide Airport where I explained to them that I could go through the um, body scanning process. I would sit my guide dog down next to me, um, but out of the way of the scanner, I would be scanned, walk through, the dog would come through and would have to be patted down because it hadn't been scanned. Uh, 
And this is a process that I know works for me because um, at the Gold Coast, the only scanners we have are the body scanners. We don't have the X-ray scanners mm -hmm. here anymore. And so um, I explained uh, to two different people that, that that's what I could do. And they said, no, that's not what you do at Adelaide Airport. We don't allow that. You have to go through an X-ray. And even if you go through the X-ray and you don't trigger the X-ray, you'll still have to be patted down because you can't be separated from your guide dog. Now, my guide dog is trained to sit at the beginning of the X-ray or the body scanner, wait for me to go through so that I don't have to be patted down and, um, and then come through, trigger the scanner because um, she's got a metal harness and collar and and then she gets patted down and she actually likes getting pats <laughs> uh, most dogs do but i don't and i yes. and i have specifically worked out um uh ways to avoid um triggering the scanner but they weren't having any of that at adelaide airport um so eventually i agreed reluctantly to go through the x-ray and then um the same person told me that even though i had not triggered the x-ray I would have to be patted down. And I just said, no, you're not patting me down. I didn't trigger it. There's no justification for that. Mm -hmm. um, and you only want to do it because you think this is your, your rule. And the supervisor, um, my friend who was traveling with me, waved over the supervisor. The supervisor said um, to the security guard, um, did he trigger the scanner? I think if, the, um, if my friend had not been there, the, super, the, um, the security guard would have said that I did, even though I, I didn't. Yeah. Um, but no my reason. friend, yeah, but my friend gave him a, a, a pretty stern look and said, I was watching, I know what happened. And the guard said, no, he didn't trigger it. The supervisor said, okay, he, he hasn't got to be patted down. So it was a pretty traumatic process, um, Aki. And um, I was actually assaulted at an airport a few years ago. I was okay. physically pushed backwards. And so um, at a security process in Darwin. Mm -hmm. And so when I go through these processes now, um, particularly if I have some sort of um, dispute, um, it triggers me again. And so it was a pretty traumatic um, process. And um, I'm through it now, but it has... Um, it has uh, engaged my attention and I intend to um, change. And I think what we need in Australia is because the Disability Discrimination Act really isn't fit for purpose um, in terms of dealing with airlines and airports. Um, you can't expect people with disabilities to lodge individual complaints and um, have airlines spend two and three hundred thousand dollars forcing us to go to, uh, to court. Um, so what we need is an Airline Accessibility Act which um, sets out the rules uh, for supporting people with disabilities and has um, requirements in it that the airlines can be penalised if they don't comply with those rules. Absolutely. Um, and you're totally right. Like why out of all <coughs> the industries do they get to be separated? And you're right, we yeah. are segregated and we are treated differently. And as a wheelchair user, obviously I do trigger any scanner they don't actually put me through a scanner because i have a power chair it's it's electronic so they just avoid it entirely and i just get waved through and then i have to get patted down regardless because yeah. there's no other way and i'm yeah. a survivor of sexual assault and i'm a survivor advocate so i don't like people touching me like i don't yeah. want anyone touching me as you can imagine yeah. the same with you but i have no other way of avoiding it and it's they try to get like a, a feminine person to do it um but it's still 
really awkward and they touch you yep. in places you don't want to be touched and yep. you know you're just powerless you you lose your autonomy and you i absolutely understand that triggering process and so mm. it's it's really you're absolutely right it's not fit for purpose and you yeah you mentioned my incident weirdly coincidentally at adelaide airport and it was yeah. as a result of their policy actually um so similarly to you because of their weird rule or policy um that's another frustration the policies at every airport are so different and mm. whether you're air side or land side is also different and so how yep. we why is the onus on us to know what's going on so yep. for an example at adelaide airport they will not bring your chair up to you when you land but every other yep. airport i've been in australia thus far has brought the so like as soon as i'm off the plane my chair mm. is there waiting and so i can yep. safely use my chair from that moment onwards and i don't have to be pushed by anyone or anything yep. like that but at adelaide airport you have to get it at baggage claim which is why yep. i which is why i had to be in the aisle chair and they were pushing yep. me and they were so careless with me that i ended getting tipped out and now I have a concussion and so on and so forth. And that's an on, and that's been quite traumatic as well. And physically, yeah. physically, but emotionally and mentally and so on. And if we weren't treated that way, and if policies weren't so vastly different, then this would have, none of any of this would ever happen. And yep. you and I aren't the only people you said you've, you've heard so many of our other experiences too. Mm. Um, well, you said so many things that are um, that are true, Aki. And uh, one is this this policy of not um, letting a person take their chair to the gate, and then um, taking it down the set of stairs which are right there next to the air bridge, and loading it onto the plane, and yeah. then bringing it back up. Um, and that should just happen automatically at every airport. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are some situations in other parts of the world where people actually travel on aircraft in their own chairs. Mm -hmm. And we should be uh, we should be looking at that here in Australia. We're smart enough to make that happen. Um, I, I don't know what the answer is, uh, to be honest with you, to the to the pat down um, yeah. uh, situation. Um, I wish I could think of an answer and 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 smarter minds than mine um, <laughs> uh, will get to work on it um, because um, it should you shouldn't have to be patted down when other people aren't. Um, yeah. But how uh, and maybe there's some way of developing a profile for a um, for a wheelchair um, so that the scanners can look at you know you and not the not the wheelchair and there yeah. must be some um, ways to do this but um, uh, because it, it really is inappropriate and it's inappropriate because we've been put into this separate lane rather yeah. than having the the main system adjusted to allow for everyone not just people without um, disabilities and you know you see it um, I mean the, the thing probably the thing that frustrates me most of the many frustrations that I have about air travel are that um, at the airports now where there are not aero bridges um, they've developed um, ramps to replace the big clunky stairs um, mm -hmm. that um, that you had to go up to get on a plane but those ramps have been built in a way that don't allow um, a person with a in a wheelchair to go up them so the people in the wheelchairs still have to go up um, on the on the lifting device which yeah. must cost the airline much more money yeah um, 
And if they built those ramps at the right gradient and at the right um, weight load bearing amount, then everyone could have used them. Who who made that decision? They should yeah. be sacked straight away. <laughs> they just don't consider us. They just that's we're always an afterthought. That's the problem. Yeah. Like in every, yeah. not just airline, but everything, we're always an afterthought. And you're absolutely right. We still have to be lifted on in the airlifty device, which is hmm. I don't know if you've been in one, but they're like really dodgy feeling and they don't feel stable. And you're like, and if no. it's windy, you're just like all over yeah. the shop. And it literally just fits you and like the person that's operating it has to squish in right next to you yeah no personal space and you're just kind of shoved in there and it's like why like once again you're separating me you're segregating me um but that's just the way you've just and you're and you're treating me disrespectfully you know whereas you don't need to um and uh yeah no i've never been in one because i i won't take my guide dog in one because i think there's too much of a risk of her getting hurt Oh, absolutely. Um, should get squished. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I've never been in one. I've been asked to go in them a number of times and just said, no, no way. Uh, but um, and, and the other thing, one last thing, um, and I know um, you've got questions you probably want to ask me, but one last thing that I will say is I think it is completely disrespectful that every time I get on a plane, um, firstly, I'm, I'm asked to board before everyone else when, now that might be relevant for some people with disabilities, but for me, I can board and put my luggage um, on the rack at the same pace, probably faster than most other people because I travel regularly. And I'm asked to wait until everyone else gets off before I get off the aeroplane. And um, my response is, well, no, I'm not doing that. I'm gonna get off in, in my turn Mm-hmm. Um, as it gets to my row with every other passenger. And I, I really don't know why, well, I do know why I'm asked <laughs> that, because of the negative assumptions that get made about us um, yeah. by um, by aircraft staff. Yeah, I'm the same. I always get on first. I have to, because for some mm. reason, because obviously I have no autonomy, because I, I yeah. although I am an ambulatory wheelchair user, I can't take steps. Also, I don't right. need to explain this to people my no. I, I can't physically like i can go in a straight line providing there's no steps but obviously there's a step yeah. to get onto the plane which is why yeah. i need to use an aisle chair so yeah. i lose my autonomy they decide when yeah. i get on they decide when i get off and that means yeah. that means literally when i have to get on first half an hour before everyone else which means yep. you know, i'm rushing before everyone else because i have to board every- and then when everybody lands the cleaning crew is already on before I'm off. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, 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 and so and, it takes me a million times longer than everyone else. And like, too bad if you want to go to the bathroom during the flight. Oh, <laughs> forget about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, that's, yeah. I've, I've had friends who've said, uh, like, they've been on international flights eight hours, nine hours, mm. and they've just mm. not been physically able to get themselves to the bathroom and they've just had to hold it in they've had they've gotten you like they've gotten bladder infections they've just had the worst things happen to them because they literally cannot do a basic human thing and that is to use the bathroom Um, when i worked at um, when i worked at Qantas uh 20 years ago archie um there was a chair design that folded up into the size of a briefcase that a person could use on an aircraft to go to the to use to go to the bathroom and come back they they still won't carry them on aircraft 
You're listening to Chronically Chilled. We've got human rights advocate and former disability discrimination commissioner Graham Inns in the studio with us today, talking about the treatment of people with disabilities at airports. So Graham and Aki, both of you have spoken out about your experiences on socials and in the media. What has the response been so far from um, you know, Adelaide Airport or the relevant airlines? Um, well, I, I've had um, some correspondence from Adelaide Airport uh, and um, I'm dealing with this issue through, through a, a legal centre in Sydney, the Public Interest Advocacy Centre. And um, Adelaide Airport have written back and um, we've interchanged some views and they've agreed to um, make the video footage available. We haven't uh, viewed it yet. I'm waiting for my solicitor to do that. Um, but, you know, what the airlines try to do in all of these situations is to solve the one-off problem experienced by the person. And that's not the way to fix this problem um, because we would have to fix thousands and thousands of separate situations. What we need and why I said right at the top that we need an Airline Accessibility Act is we need a systemic solution to this that does two things, that actually changes the law, so introduces some penalties if airlines and airline and airports don't comply with the law, but secondly, drives them to change the culture. Uh, senior people at the top of airlines and airports need to take a different view of disability and need to treat us with the respect that they treat other passengers without disabilities. Um, and you know, one of my favorite things that I say to um, people when I'm traveling, um, when they put some of these terrible proposals to me as to things they want me to do, you know, if there's an emergency, you wait here, we'll get everyone off um, and then we'll come back for you. And I always say, well, don't come back because I, I won't be here. But for a lot of people with disabilities um, that they don't have that uh, opportunity, I think it's terrible that they would say to someone, well, you have to wait and get off last. And um, so what I say often to airline staff is, if I wasn't a person with a disability, would you regard that as good customer service? Because I don't. And, um, and, you know, that's what we as people with disabilities experience all the time. It's not the same treatment that other airline customers get, and that has to change. Yeah, absolutely. And something I think lay people might not often realise is that a huge piece of the disability experience is about dignity and equality is not just being mm. permitted to survive in society. It's also being able to thrive with equal dignity. Yeah. Is, is that something that you have ever received pushback about? I mean, people saying that flying is a luxury, not a right, and that it shouldn't be a priority issue on the disability agenda. Um, oh, I've had those conversations, but they don't normally continue very long because I'd rather mm. talk to people who are interested in changing things than to people who aren't. Um, so, um, uh, yes, I have had that, that pushback, but um, uh, um, travel is a human right. It's a basic human right. It's set out in the um, various human rights conventions. So to say it's a luxury, um, sure, it's, it's something that we have to pay for, no question about that, and I'm happy to pay the same amount as everyone else. Uh, but um, it's not a luxury. It's a, it's human right, freedom, uh, freedom to travel, and we don't have that with airlines here in Australia. And I mean, even if it was a luxury, still deserve <laughs> equal access to luxuries. Yes, exactly right. I was listening exactly. to the the ABC this morning, and there was a whole segment on current airport disruptions, lost bags, that sort of thing, but no mention mm. of 
people's experience with disabilities. Um, do you, is there a, just a huge lack of discussion around this? I mean, I have to Absolutely. admit myself, I didn't know the extent of it. I didn't know that there was exceptions to the Disability Discrimination Act. Oh, yeah, no, look, there's a huge um, lack of discussion. I mean, that's true for so many disability issues. We, you know, we make up 20% of the population, but um, whilst we have moved more into the centre of the conversation than we used to, there's still a long way to go. And so airline disruptions for people with disabilities um, are never talked about um, in the general um, community. Uh, and I know people, I mean, let's take another policy that airlines have, uh, which... Um, uh, two or three of the airlines have, oh, I think Qantas is the only one that doesn't, is the two wheelchair policy. Yeah. So if, if, if more than two people have booked on an airline using a wheelchair, um, the first two to turn up get on the plane, and the third one, irrespective of if they're, if they're members of the same family or um, travelling in a sporting team together, the third one gets bumped onto another flight. Now, if we said that after the first two parents who bring prams onto a plane, that's it, we're not taking any more <laughs> prams, there would be outright riot in the streets. There'd be outrage. But, of course, I know it's people with disabilities, so we can treat them that way and get away with it. Um, it's even worse, Graham, if, if, you're a if you have an electric chair or power chair, mm. only one can go on. Right, um, Okay. So, it's, so it's, if you happen to be partnered with a, 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 um, another person who uses a power chair, that's right, you have to fly in different planes. And, and um, another example, just two or three weeks ago, Carney Liddell, yes. uh, who works in Brisbane and was flying to the um, Whitsunday Islands to give a, a work presentation for her company, um, she travels with a, a powered chair and um, she has to have um, documentation because her battery is regarded as dangerous goods. Okay, I get that. She's mm -hmm. got the documentation. Um, she gave the airline five days notice that she was traveling. No one else has to give an airline five days oh, notice, yeah. but she did. And they still said, no, that's not long enough. I completely understand what Carney has to do because I have to do the exact same thing. I have mm. to inform. I have to inform every single airline that I'm traveling with, even if it's the same travel path. Like let's say it's a flight share. So let's say I'm flight yep. flight sharing with Qantas and I don't know the Jetstar. I have yep. to inform Qantas and Jetstar before my flight. I have to tell them about the specifications of my chair, the specifications of my battery, the wattage of my batteries, how many batteries yep. I have, are they removable? And then, and then wait for it, I have to get an approval, a letter of approval before I can even fly. And they will not check me in unless I can demonstrate that this approval has been provided. And Aki, has anyone ever heard of frequent flyer systems? So with your frequent flyer profile, um, people put on their preferences, their seating preferences, and somehow the airlines manage that to uh, manage to apply that each time someone books a flight. Uh, no one has to lodge documentation. No one has to go through the whole process again, because somehow, funny about that, they've actually got a system to facilitate flying for um for their frequent travellers who spend a lot of money with the airline, but they can't use that system for people with disabilities. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not that they can't, they're choosing not to, because clearly well, exactly you're, you're right. demonstrating they're that they, they're demonstrating they can do it, they're just choosing not yeah. to, and choosing they're choosing to. to treat us differently. Um, so I've put all my disability details in my frequent flyer profiles, because I do travel a lot, and so I've got frequent flyer profiles. 
And every time I make a booking, I get asked the question and I just say, have a look in my frequent flyer profile. I know, but can you just answer the question? No, I'm not answering your question. Have a look in my frequent flyer profile. And, you know, eventually after an argument, which no other customer has to have, they will go and look it up. But it's all there ready for them, but they they choose not to, um, to use it. You're listening to Chronically Chilled. We've got human rights advocate and former disability discrimination commissioner Graham Inns in the studio with us today. And the way that airports are kind of moving nowadays, it's going a lot more towards automated processes. Is it a positive change in some aspects? Well, it depends on how the automated processes are designed. If they're designed to include all Australians, no problems at all. Uh, If they're only designed to include people without disabilities, then yes, it will bring more problems. And what I don't understand in these situations is that the airlines automate these processes to reduce their own costs. And then they exclude us from the processes and increase their costs. Where's the logic? Oh, absolutely. It'll cost them more to exclude us than to include us, but yet they forget to include us and then stuff like this happens, which costs them more money. And it's not even just money, it's reputational damage and so on and so yeah. forth, which is also I mean, costs money. Yeah. I mean, every. Um, let me give you an example of that because I think examples are really important. So Jetstar have a, um, a process where anyone can check on online, check in online. And um, that's great. It saves a lot of their staff time. But because I travel with a guide dog, despite the fact that um, all of my information is included in my booking and my frequent flyer profile, because I travel with a guide dog, if I fly on Jetstar, I'm not allowed to check in online. And that means that I have to get there more than an hour before the flight leaves because the flight closes an hour before. If I could check in online, I could arrive, you know, three quarters of an hour before, like everyone else does. But oh no, they have to make an exception for me because they want to ask me the questions they've already asked me and they've put in the booking. It's almost like they think we don't have things to do with our lives. Like we, we're not well, busy people or we don't have anything going on. We just have spare time. Okay, I think that is exactly what they do think. <laughs> I think that is what they do think. That they just assume that, oh, no, people with disability, they wouldn't be working. They wouldn't have lives to live. Mm-hmm. No, they will just, you know, it doesn't matter if we take up their time anything about what the airlines or airport industries like to work in for people with disabilities or if there is any representation on that front at all? (laughs) Yep. Sydney Airport advertised for, I think, 1,500 new workers in the last few weeks. And I tweeted to them and said, um, I hope you're um, including 20% of um, employees with disabilities because we're 20% of your travel cohort and, you know, didn't get a response. Um, so, um, no, I, 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 I can't remember seeing um, any employees with disabilities working for airlines, but you're right, Bridget, that would make a big difference because those employees would then say, hey, we could do this this way, you know, we yeah, can improve having, things. Having that representation actually matters, but it, it also, so not only are they like excluded from the Disability Discrimination Act, it almost seems like they're excluded from the Equal Employment Act where they're not employing people with disabilities either, <laughs> which is why yeah. all of this issue, all these issues are apparent and they don't, they're not aware of it because there's no representation. As a, a final closeout question, um, Graham, are there any kind of action points that our listeners can take away? 
I think that the key action point is that people with disabilities need in air travel to be treated the same way as everyone else. And it's not going to happen voluntarily. The, the airlines have demonstrated and airports have demonstrated that they're not going to do it. So we need a law which um, is an Airline Accessibility Act, similar to the laws that they've had for some time in Europe and the United States, which set the rules for people with disabilities. And, um, and I am working with a few other people to start the campaign towards getting that act. And uh, I would love the support of any of your listeners um, uh, who, who are not chronically chilled about this issue uh, <laughs> to, uh, to get on board and, um, uh, and, and um, you know, support that change when the campaign starts because only through action by people with disabilities and our support cohort uh, will, uh, will these laws change. Yeah, absolutely. What a great call to action. And the advocacy and... Awareness piece is really is really what we're here to hopefully try and contribute to. Um, so thank you so much for talking to us. And if you want to hear more from Graham um, and want to stay up to date with um, the ag- advocacy efforts and the campaign, you can catch him on Facebook and also at Graham Inns on Twitter. Three CR Community Radio, eight five five AM.